I've been writing this message for about three and a half years. I was sitting praying one day, and as I was praying, I was praying about New Life's future, and I didn't realize as I started the prayer that it was going to be a prayer about my future, but God gave me a date when I would pass the baton of leadership here at New Life as the lead pastor to somebody else, and uh, actually, I was pretty excited when I heard the date. It was June 30th, 2024. The reason I was excited was it was 2018, and that meant I was going to live for six more years. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously, Jesus could come back tomorrow, or I could go see him tomorrow, uh, or today, for that matter. But the point is that at some point, June 30, 2024, I'll no longer be the lead pastor of New Life Christian Ministries. And uh, I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around that because Nancy and I and, and some of you started this church 21 years ago and it's been a great blessing in our lives and I believe a great blessing not only in Saxonburg but in our region, our nation and even to the very ends of the earth. So uh, I thought as I thought about that date, I thought, I'll be 67 and if everything's the same as it is now, hey, I, I'm still going to have some some stuff left in the tank, you know, I won't be done. But at the same time, I don't want to be the, one of those guys who just keeps going on and on and on until there's nothing left and drags everybody else around down with me. And, you know, apparently God thought that way too because he's the one who gave me the date. Anyway, um, I think New Life deserves to have a pastor who has many years of vital faithful ministry ahead. So the staff and I have been devoting a lot of time fasting and praying and seeking God's face on this decision of who's the next runner to carry the baton. While the lead team has known about my succession for really almost as long as I have, um, the person who's going to hold the baton next wasn't determined until our board of directors meeting in November. As we prayed and we planned, we determined a process for sharing that decision. And we already have told some of you who have been around since the very beginning or have been in leadership along the way. Uh, and on Friday evening, we shared with the team members, some at all the team members who s serve in some way, we shared this information on Friday night, actually in a little more detail than we're going to be able to do here. And now we're going to do it um, today with all of you. So the biggest question in any relay race is how soon do you pass the baton? I mean, I was on the 880 relay team when I was in high school. In fact, a very good 880 relay team. We were never defeated in dual meets uh, in the entire senior year. 880 relay tells you two things. Number one, it tells you I'm really old because they don't run races in yards anymore. They run them in meters. And that race doesn't even exist for high school track anymore. Uh, but four people would run 220 yards. I was the second runner. What has to happen for a successful relay race, number one is you have to have fast runners. Obviously, you can't win a race without fast runners. Number two is when the first pa person passes the baton to the second person, that second person already needs to be running full speed. That person has to be running full speed before you hand off the baton. And the third thing that has to happen is the person holding the baton has to let go of it. Right? And the next person has to grab it because you have to end up at the end of the race with the fourth runner holding the baton in their hand as they cross the finish line. So the analogy, I believe, is a really good one because as our take-home point, which is the one point I'm going to be making from Scripture today, tells us this. We all pass the baton in life, and when we do, God is faithful to guide us. So, of course, that take-home point is about a lot more than running an 880 800-yard race. It's about our lives. 
Because in our lives, whether it's at school or at work or in ministry, in our families, at some point we all pass the baton from one person on to the next. And today, what we're going to be talking about is me passing the baton of leadership on June 30th. Officially will be my last day as, lead, as pastor here, but we're actually going to pass the baton on, in January of 2024 to Pastor Alex DeRosa, our family life pastor. He's going to become our, our next lead pastor. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. These three weeks, what we're going to do is this week, I'm preaching about Moses and Joshua, as I said during the offering. Then next week, Pastor Alex is going to join me up here, and we're going to talk together about Barnabas and Saul, who's better known as Paul. And then the next week in this series, and the series is called Passing the Baton, is going to be Pastor Alex preaching about Jesus passing the baton of leadership onto the 12 disciples. So if you're new here today... What I just said might be a little confusing, because you don't know who I am. I'm Pastor Chris. I've been the lead pastor since we started the church, and Pastor Alex is our family life pastor, and we're going to bring him up here at the end. But So it might not have seemed to have anything to do with you, but this is what you can be sure of. This message is not going to just be about Pastor Chris and Pastor Alex. It's going to be about Moses and Joshua, two characters from Scripture who God used in incredible ways, and we're going to talk about how in our own lives, when we pass the baton of leadership in whatever area of our life it is, how to do that effectively because we see how Moses did it with Joshua. So um, for those of you who just heard this news for the very first time, I know something. I've been dealing with the feelings and the thoughts for three and a half years, and it's new to you. And over those three and a half years, I've shed a few tears. I've actually laughed a little bit, but I've always been grateful. Grateful that God has given Nancy and me the opportunity to be the lead pastor of New Life. And I'm grateful that if the Lord wills, and I'm still around, when I'm not the lead pastor of New Life anymore, I'm still going to be part of New Life because I'm not going anywhere. Um, That's one of the things that is really cool about being a non-denominational church. We get to decide how to do this. Like it's some churches in denominational circles, I would be here one week and then a new pastor would be here next week, and you never see me again, except maybe for a wedding or a funeral. Or some places, they bring in an interim pastor for a while, and then they bring somebody in from the outside, but we're not going to do that this way, that way here. The way we're going to do it here is we're going to pass the baton very slowly. I mean, two and a half years is a long time <laughs> to pass a baton, right? When I was running the 88 relay, you better pass that baton in about two seconds, Right? But this isn't an 880 relay. This is the most important race that there is, the race of life. And so we're going to run it effectively. So what we're going to do right now is that we're going to turn to some selected readings from Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and Joshua. We're going to cover several Old Testament books, not all of them, but parts of each of them. But before we do that, let's pray together. Almighty God, we thank you so much that you love us. You have loved your people ever since you created people. You have loved a specific people ever since you called Abram to become the father of a nation. You have continued to love your people right up to this very moment and showed it so amazingly through Jesus. Today as we talk about Moses and Joshua, their leadership over Israel, and the, the, the passing of the baton from Moses to Joshua, I pray that for each of us, that as we consider whatever 
passing of the baton might be going on in our life, whether it's today, tomorrow, years from now, decades from now, that we will see that there is a way to do it that puts you right in the center of it. And so, God, we pray for that in this process. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to turn to the book of Exodus, and what we're going to see, very first thing we ever see Joshua doing, is leading the army of Israel. Joshua, he's the commander of the Israelite army. We don't know how he got to be the commander. Obviously, Moses appointed him. He obviously must have had some leadership capabilities, or he wouldn't have been in that position. But the Israelites have been freed from slavery in Egypt by some miraculous miracles of God and by the leadership of Moses at that point and Aaron, his brother. And now we see Joshua coming on the scene, and there's going to be a battle take place. Let's read about it. It says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So two quick points about what we just read. Number one, God gave Israel supernatural help in the victory, right? As long as Moses held up that staff, then the Israelites were winning. God was prevailing in the battle over the Amalekites. And we could preach a whole message about how Aaron and her were there to help Moses, but that's not what this is about. The second thing we hear is this, that God told Moses to write it down to remind Joshua. Why would Joshua need to have a scroll that reminded him of the battle against the Amalekites? Because there were going to be a lot more battles. And it's always good to remember that you won a battle when you're going to go into the next battle, right? And so Alex has already been here for eight years. He came as the second youth pastor along with Pastor Mark Lutz. And as he served under Pastor Mark, he also served with many others because every ministry we do here at New Life is team ministry. And then eventually he became the the youth pastor and now the family life pastor. And all along the way, what has he seen? He's seen God do miracles in children's and youth ministry, actually as overseeing uh, Pastor Kristen in children's ministry, as seeing adults, all kinds of things. And I want him to remember this day. I want him to remember a lot of days because this is a good day in the history of New Life Christian Ministries and there are going to be many, many more. So the next time we encounter Joshua, he's now called Moses' assistant. It was a pivotal moment when Moses had already gone up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, but he went back down and when he went back down, he told the people, you stay down here. And he told some of the leaders, Aaron and Hur in specific, 
you watch over these people. I'm taking Joshua. We're going back up on the mountain because we're going to get those tablets that have the Ten Commandments on it. So only Joshua and Moses got to go up to the top of the mountain. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain. Stay there and I will give you the tablets of stone on which I have inscribed the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. Moses told the elders, stay here and wait for us until we come back. Aaron and her are here with you. If anyone has a dispute while I'm gone, consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. So the people stayed at the foot of the mountain. The elders stayed at the foot of the mountain. Only Joshua and Moses got to go to the top of the mountain. And Joshua and Moses got to experience the presence of God for six days. Now, you know, we're Americans. And as Americans, we think that everybody's equal and everybody gets to do the same thing. And there are certain places where that's true. But you know, even in America, if you own a business, whether there are two people or 20 people or 200 people or 2,000 people, you get to make some decisions. Some would say you have to make some decisions. Other people don't get to make. If you're a politician in America, you get to make laws. Other people don't get to do that. If you're a pastor, what happens is you get to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And some roles in being a pastor are different than the role of all the people. And so Joshua got to experience this exceptional opportunity. But when the opportunity was over, something not so good had happened. What had happened was the Israelites had turned against God in six days. Six days they were gone. And by the time Moses and Joshua came down from the mountain, the people were worshiping a false god. It says this, Then Moses turned and went down the mountain. He held in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, no, it's not a shout of victory nor the wailing of defeat. I hear the sound of a celebration. You see, Joshua was a warrior, right? He's the commander of the Israelite army. He comes down from the mountain. He hears noise. He goes, there's a battle going on. He probably was reaching for his sword, right? But Moses said, no, no, no. That is not the cry of a battle cry of victory. It's not the wailing of defeat. I hear a party going on. Now, here's the thing that we learn from this little passage of Scripture. Experience helps us separate all the noises in our lives so we can hear God's guiding voice. Moses knew what it was, and he shared it with Joshua. One of the advantages Alex is going to have in these next two and a half years is my 40 years of experience of ministry. I can share that with him and so help him distinguish some of the noises because there will be different noises coming from the camp over the next two and a half years as there have been for the next last 21, right? Okay, the next snippet we see how much Moses has come to trust Joshua. It says inside the tent of meeting, that tabernacle that was built where God and Moses met, it says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. So Joshua got to stand inside the tent when God was speaking face to face. I love that. Face to face like a man speaks to his friend. So they're having this conversation. And we don't know if Joshua was five feet away or 50 feet away, but he was in the same room. 
He was getting to hear the voice of God. He was starting to be able to discern the voice of God as Moses did. And when Moses left, Joshua stayed there. Now, here and now in 2022, each of you and me, we all can hear the voice of God because Jesus came. Jesus lived that perfect life that nobody else lived. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead, went back to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit to live in each side of, each side of, inside each of us, us, each of us. And what that means is when we read the word of God, God will speak to us. When we pray, he will sometimes speak to us. When we are in circumstances where God has placed us, we know he's speaking to us, and sometimes he speaks to us through other believers. But in those days... It was pretty much Moses and Joshua. Eventually, 70 other elders heard the voice of God. But only Joshua and Moses. It was an amazing opportunity for Joshua as he was being trained up to be the next leader of Israel. So the next time we see Joshua, he's in a very difficult situation. Moses had chosen Joshua and Caleb and 10 other men to go into the promised land to spy it out. Now, they only had one instruction. Go see what's there and tell us what's there. But 10 of the guys didn't listen to the instructions. They went and saw what was there, and then they formed their opinion about what was there. Wow, it's amazing. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You can't even believe it. But there are giants in the land. They're so big, we seem like grasshoppers. There's no possible way we can ever defeat them. And so that's what's happening. They're, they're in this situation... And Caleb and Joshua say something totally the opposite. And Aaron and Moses are on their face before God, interceding to God to not destroy the Israelites because of what the ten have said. So here's where we pick up in the book of Numbers, chapter 14, verse 5. It says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. The whole community. Millions of people. So there are Aaron and Moses on their face before God. There are Caleb and Joshua standing up against millions of people. So what did Joshua learn in that situation? What he learned is a very powerful truth. Do the right thing even if no one else is. Do the right thing even if no one else is. One of the things I love, one of the many things I love about Pastor Alex is he's a man of integrity. He does what he believes is to be true according to the word of Scripture. And that's what we've always done here at New Life. I mean, there are a lot of things out in the culture going on right now that go against our Scripture, go against the word of God, go against the truth. And here at New Life, we stand against those things, not against people. Because we always are for people because God is always for people. But we stand against those things that are not true. And Alex does that. I've seen him do it over and over again. He's one of the most agreeable people you'll ever meet. He's much more agreeable than I am. But don't ask him to bend the word of God. He won't. And that's what Joshua found out that day. You can't bend the word of God. 
You have to be true to God. He knew who he was serving, and the millions of people were wrong. And because they didn't listen to the truth, they, they spent 40 more years in the wilderness. Okay, so our final three scriptures actually talk about the passing of the baton from Moses to Joshua. The first one, it says this, one day the Lord said to Moses, climb up one of the mountains east of the river and look out over the land I have given the people of Israel. After you have seen it, you will die like your brother Aaron, for you both rebelled against my instructions in the wilderness of Zin. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle. So the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eliezer the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eliezer the priest and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. So several important points are made in this passage of Scripture. The first one is this. Whatever age you are right now, you are going to pass a baton to somebody. It might be in school, whenever you move on from high school to college and you leave something for somebody who's still in high school to do. It might be in ministry. It might be at work. It might be in your family. But sometime along the way, you're going to pass the baton. And when you do, when it's time to pass the baton, call on God to appoint the next runner. Don't just choose for yourself. Don't just decide who you think is the best person. Ask God to guide. And look what God did. He said, here's what you need to do, Moses. Choose Joshua. Take Joshua to Eliezer the priest and, and before the whole community. And then you lay your hands on Joshua before everybody so that they see that he is going to be the next leader in Israel. And we're actually going to do that in January of 2024. We're going to commission Pastor Alex. I'll give him the baton then. Um, and I've been jokingly, Friday night, I had him come up here and I had him hold on to the baton. And I said, okay, now you can let go because I'm still holding on to it for two, and a, well, two more years till January of 2024. And whenever he takes the baton of leadership, we'll lay hands on him, we'll pray for him, we'll commission him. And so that's January 2024. But you said, Pastor Chris, you said June 30th. Yes. From January 2024 to June 30, 2024, my title will be old guy pastor. Not pastor of old guys, but old guy who's still the pastor. Okay, and Pastor Alex will be the lead pastor. I'll be here to do that thing that Moses was able to do for Joshua, which was to discern those voices uh, that still probably is something that will be helpful for me to do. So then we read next. When Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel... He said, I am now 120 years old and I am no longer able to lead you. The Lord has told me you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will cross over ahead of you. He will destroy the nations living there and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river just as the Lord promised. Then Moses called for Joshua and as all Israel watched, he said to him, be strong and courageous. For you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors and he, he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. 
I love that message. When it's your turn to pass the baton on to somebody else, when it's my turn to pass it on to Alex, there's no better message that we could give than simply this. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. That's already been my prayer for Pastor Alex, and I've seen the strength and courage and trusting God that he has grow with each passing, really, month that he's been with us let alone all eight years. I'm confident over these next couple of years, he'll be ready to receive the baton. And should the Lord tell me it's time for me to come home a little sooner, he's ready now, but I just am not ready to give up the baton just quite yet. Okay, so finally, we read this. Moses has died. And I've been saying all along, as when God gave me this time and and these images, I said, God, you know, I'd like to be one thing different here. I don't want to be dead when I pass on the baton. I want to have like 20 more years to just, and I I didn't say this, but in the 880 relay team, I was the second runner. The first runner would pass me the baton. And then what does the first runner do? Cheers. That's all you can do. I was the second runner. I liked being the second runner in the 880 relay team for two reasons. Number one was because I started halfway around the track, which meant I stopped at the finish line. The second reason is I don't like running in circles. So I only had to run half a lap. So I was starting at one point, ending at another point. But I got to watch the third runner and the fourth runner and cheer for them. And since we won every single race, dual race, uh, for the, the entire year, I got to cheer a lot. And I'm expecting to cheer a lot over the next, hopefully, 10, 20, 30 years that God gives me as I watch you all as New Life Christian Ministries in the second generation do even more than what we've seen in the first. So the final passage says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So that passage is worth an entire message in and of itself. But the key is that God promised to be with Joshua and he commanded him three times, be strong and courageous. So always remember this, when we are the one receiving the baton, we can be strong and courageous because God is with us. So when we are receiving the baton, we can be strong and courageous because it's a scary thing to receive the baton. Maybe you didn't have a lead when you received the baton and so you have to catch up. Maybe you have a lead when you got the baton, but you don't want to be the one who loses the lead, right? There are all kinds of scary things when you get the baton in your hand. But what God reminded the people, what God specifically reminded Joshua was, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to let you be disappointed. My prayer is that all of us, whatever we're going through right now, whatever kind of a season we're going through right now, that we will be strong and courageous knowing that God is with us and he's never going to leave us. And with that in mind, we can 
do today's next step. If you're new, the next step is simply the action point. What are we going to do because we are here today? And here it is. I will trust God to guide me through whatever new season I am facing right now. All of us are probably facing some kind of a new season right now. I don't know what yours is. But I do know one thing. There are new seasons coming in each of our lives and God will be with us. We can trust Him. You know why we can trust Him? Because from the time God created human beings, He has always been with human beings. When Adam and Eve rejected Him, God didn't turn away. He provided for them. When God called Abram, to be the founder of his people. He walked with him his entire life. Then down the road, we have Moses and Joshua, and we see how God walked the people of Israel. They weren't very obedient, but God was always faithful. And then along comes, you know, at one point, Jesus. And Jesus takes 12 men, ultimately hundreds of people, and teaches them his ways. More importantly, gives them a whole new life through the Holy Spirit's power, they were born again, new people, and now God resides in all of us who believe. And He still calls us to be strong and courageous in whatever season because He is with us. Amen? So, there's been an unusual aspect of today's message. I didn't talk much about Jesus. I always talk about Jesus. I mean, we always, whoever's preaching always talks about Jesus. But the reason we didn't talk about Jesus much today is because Moses and Joshua lived thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene. Now, Moses and Joshua had God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but we have not only God the Father and the Holy Spirit, but Jesus. Jesus came. As I said, he lived that perfect life nobody else could ever live. He died in our place so that we could have our sins forgiven. And then he rose from the dead and returned to heaven and gave the Holy Spirit so we can have the new life he promised. And what I want you all to understand, because we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, and it's called the Lord's Supper because Jesus is the Lord, which means owner or master of our lives, and we're remembering what he did for us on the cross. But the reason I want to share right now how important it is for Jesus to be Lord and Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death, is because until that happens, we never really can be strong and courageous. We never really can be sure of tomorrow, let alone today. But once Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives, there's nothing to fear, literally nothing. Paul the Apostle, who was beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, ultimately executed, said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because he knew who Jesus is. He still knows because he's with Jesus now. In your life, if Jesus has not been Savior and Lord, we say here at New Life, it's simple for that to happen. It's, It's not easy, but it's simple. Simple as A, B, C. A, We admit we're sinners. We admit that just like the Israelites in the Old Testament, just like the people around Jesus in the New Testament, and just like now, none of us does everything we were created to do. None of us is all that God wants us to be because sin gets in the way. We choose to follow ourselves instead of God. So we admit, B, we believe that Jesus is Lord, Master, Owner, of our lives. We believe that he is Savior, that he's, he died on the cross and shed his innocent blood to pay the penalty, not just for everybody's sins, but for your sin and for my sin. And we believe that, not just like in an intellectual way, but we take it into our lives and we own it for our, own, for our, for our lives. 
And then C, we confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord in our life, and we commit to living in the power of the Holy Spirit. When we do those three things, Jesus said, we have a new life. We're born again. And from that moment forward, whatever we face, whatever season in life, we can be strong and courageous. We can live the new life that has God on the inside and that eventually people will see transformed on the outside. So if you've never done that before, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me as if it were you praying for Jesus to become Savior and Lord in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I haven't done the things I even want to do, let alone the things I'm always supposed to do. I'm broken, and I need you to restore me. Lord God, I believe that your son Jesus came to the earth for me to be my Savior, my Rescuer, my Lord, my Redeemer, to free me from sin and death. And I believe he's God. I believe that he can transform me from the inside out. And I receive that today. And I confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus is now Lord, owner, and Savior in my life. And I commit to letting the Holy Spirit change me from the inside out. God, for those of us who have prayed a prayer like that before, we simply ask you to pour your Holy Spirit into us new and fresh so that we can be strong and courageous whatever we face, so that we can know that whatever battle is in front of us, your supernatural hand is upon us and ultimately we will be victors. Ultimately, we will be standing beside you because of who you are and what you've done, not because of who we are and what we've done. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.